0: What we're not quite getting is that for the sleep aids in particular, we have a lot of concerns about long-term use and they are not approved for long-term use. They are actually meant for short-term use. And that's really what is supposed to be mandated. But unfortunately that many, many people are running around to having these, using these for decades and decades. And so they alter our sleep architecture and quite profoundly. And so the sleep that you are getting is more sedating Of a sedated quality than it is of a true level of sleep and you experience that with your friend and being able to see some of those impacts with these wearables that's why i think wearables are so important in this modern society that we're in that is so counter to how we would have lived
1: welcome to conversations with claire i'm your host claire bates i'm a movement nutrition and mindset coach through my app wellness with claire podcast host coach at The Collective in Austin, Texas, sober alcoholic, brand builder, and competitive hybrid athlete. I've created this podcast to share inspiring stories and have meaningful conversations in hopes that we can create community together to learn and grow. Oh, and I hope to make you laugh. (laughs) Welcome to Conversations with Claire. Let's talk about coaching and how to get from where you are now to where you want to be. Wellness with Claire is my very own coaching platform where I offer personalized meal plans, personalized workout plans based on your goals, accountability through community and weekly group coaching calls, mindset coaching and tracking features for results. I also offer one-on-one coaching which gives you full app access, direct access to me via WhatsApp, and 100% accountability with me, including weekly video calls. Wellness is a mental, physical, and spiritual experience. The system works together as a whole, and I'm here to help you live in alignment with your principles and values and actualize a quality of life beyond your current dreams. Check the show notes or the links and bios on socials to find more information about how to get involved with Wellness with Claire today. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Conversations with Claire. Today, my guest is Molly Eastman, who is the founder of Sleep is a Skill. She is a creator, and she is a podcaster. And she has masterminds and all sorts of other stuff. Hello, Molly. Welcome to the podcast.
0: Hello, Claire. Very excited to be here. We were just having far too much fun before even hitting record. This is going to be a blast. And it's probably going to be tricky for us to get all of our things into this conversation because we have so many things to discuss. So, oh exciting. my
1: gosh. Yeah, there are a lot of different directions that I would like to head, but I am really going to focus on what you uh, niche down in. So, I want to head straight into literally your thing is sleep. And a lot of people really struggle. With sleep, they don't have the awareness of how important it is. You name it, they don't know what to do. They experience insomnia, all sorts of different things. And so, I really just want us to kind of get into that. But before we get into specific practical, tactical things that they can be doing for their lives, I want to go back to the reality that, like, the likelihood that you came out of your mother's womb, this like sleep expert, like loving, learning, and teaching about sleep is like probably not real. So how did you even find yourself here and what made you so interested? Ah, great question. And I think it's actually really
0: relevant for the listener because wherever you might be in your journey with sleep, whether you aren't thinking about it at all or it's really plaguing you or anywhere in between... I hope that my story can stand as an example of what's possible. And what I mean by that is I like to think about this journey with sleep as kind of a three-part system or series, if you will. So the first part of my life, to your point, I didn't really think about it that much. I just had a lot of fixed labels and relationships and narratives to my sleep. And what that looked like was this series of conversations where I'd say, oh, I'm a, I'm a bad sleeper. I'm a night owl. It's in my genes. I'll sleep when I'm dead. All of these things where it was just something that it, that's how it was for me. That was the reality. And I just needed to survive that experience. And that's how I acted about it. And so I would have these series of habits and behaviors. And I wouldn't notice as time went on, I related to it like this when I was young, into high school, into college, early 20s, but not noticing as my habits would get more extreme. So I'd be going to bed later and later, but I would be justified and righteous the whole time. And I would say, well, you know, I can make my own hours. I'll just sleep in. What's the big deal? Who cares? And I wouldn't correlate some of the things in my health and my life that were not working that sleep was uh, playing a role in it. So for example, I was getting more and more anxious, I was having some health issues, I had the beginnings of an ulcer, I had shingles in my 20s, all of these signs that my management of my health and well-being was not working but it was not until I went through this period of insomnia while traveling internationally that completely transformed my whole life. And it didn't come out of nowhere. It came out of progressively having more and more of these poor sleep habits. But until my stress load was at an all-time max, I was a serial entrepreneur in Manhattan, burning the candle at both ends. From that place, my rock bottom moment in the stress load of my life manifested in this experience of what felt like it began with jet lag. And I never really experienced much jet lag. I hadn't traveled a lot before, grew up with not a lot of money. And so suddenly with this traveling thrown in the mix, I started having some maladaptive behaviors to try to get myself back on track and not really knowing how to do that. But adding with all that stress load, I started having true insomnia, which I never really experienced. And so what that looked like was just day after day of this beginning to be this experience of more and more anxiety. Like the sun would be setting and I would say, oh my God, like I can't face another night and my heart would start racing. And I would get so nervous about the upcoming night ahead because I would just lay there and lay there. And I felt like, am I losing my mind? Like what's going on here? It's so unnerving. And so at its worst, I went to the doctors in Croatia with Google translate and said, help, I can't sleep. And I leave with sleeping pills. And in that moment, realizing, all right, I clearly got to take this upon myself to really figure out because the paths for help and support are leading to this one particular direction, which feels very band-aid-y. And like, why is this happening? What is the root cause here? So in that, what became this quest to transform this I do now have permission from my mom to share about this. I didn't have this in the past, so this is actually new. But my mom has let, she's dealt with some different, you know, mental health issues including being on a pharmaceutical path including Xanax and other things, and I saw how hard that path had been for her and have really been disrupted to her health and well-being. So that was the other part that was in the background that really made me nervous and like, "Oh, is this now my path?" So it really I had a fire to figure this out. And what ended up happening, which felt like at the time, no silver lining is how it felt, it ended up being one of the best things that could have happened to me because it actually had me, one, turn my life upside down, two, try so many different modalities, some worked, some didn't. But out of it, I discovered this whole world of chronobiology, which is really the science of time and how time affects our biology. And it became this thing of, oh my God, why is not, why are we all not talking about this? This is what I truly believe. And I have given so many talks on this topic of, I really believe this is going to be one of the next big things in wellness, which is the circadian entrainment and biorhythm entrainment. So we can talk about that, but flash forward to wrap up this long story. I essentially on the other side of it, got to begin to heal my relationship with my sleep. And which felt like a huge accomplishment because it was beginning to be so disempowering. And so once I started to actually heal that, not only did it come back to how it had been, which I shared wasn't that great, suddenly actually to quantifiably exceptional sleep to sleep on the right side of the bell curve that I never thought was possible for myself at all. So I could not stop talking about it. So what ended up happening was just organically, these small groups ended up getting created almost like sleep support groups type of thing. And then it builds into what is now Sleep as a Skill, our company, which now also has reach internationally. We have online courses. We have cohort programs. We have one-on-ones. We have a number two sleep podcast. We have weekly newsletters we've been doing for over four years every Monday. We also work with Particularly, poker players. We have a real niche in poker since they're a kind of a cognitive athlete and always looking for that next edge in their performance. And so we really double down in there, but as well as other high performers in various industries and more recently in the sports space and hospitality space. So, kind of partnering up with the different hotels. And so I say all that because this came out of my lowest moment. So, wherever people are listening from, if their sleep is not great or if they just feel like it's that's how it is for them, I assure you, there are always things that we can do to transform this and make a big difference. So excited to talk about that today.
1: Yeah. Thank you for taking the time there. And I actually want to spend a bit more time there. I think that your story is so relatable. I mean, maybe they weren't traveling internationally or, you know, not every detail is the same, but we all do. You're so right. We all grow up with this narrative of how sleep is according to what we saw modeled. Before us. And so for me, my grandmother always operated on very little sleep and she was a freaking go getter. And so she, you know, would be up doing her Bible planning, whatever, like till 1 2 a.m. And then would be up early in the morning and just crushing it. Right. So I see modeled for me this experience. And then with my own parents, especially my father very, very late at night, he would go to bed. I have no idea what time he would go to bed, but it was very late at night and then he would get up early. And so yet again, I grow up with these patterns too. And I think this is just, you know, your experience of, of, oh, I can just operate on less. I don't, you know, whatever. This is so relatable to so many people of the narrative that we have of how not important sleep is and how important productivity is. And so we don't see how the two absolutely have to coexist in order for our productivity to even really be real. And so I do want to spend just a tad more time on those lead up moments, those, those months, years leading up to where you are in Manhattan, you're in the grind, you're the serial entrepreneur, you're really getting stuff done. So like kind of just, if you can just give me a a bit of a description of like, what was your lifestyle like? Like what time were you waking up? Were you eating breakfast? What time were you going to bed? Like, what did a day look like for you? Because I think it's really good to bring awareness to all of the stress factors that were present in your life and you weren't getting the most restorative thing, which is sleep.
0: Yes. Oh, Well, I'm so glad you asked that because I actually... A lot of podcasts and many people want to go right to, okay, well, so how do we fix it? And you're so right to actually let's suss out what did that look like when it's not working? Because we might have a blind spot to, we might be doing some of these things. I certainly had a blind spot to it. I didn't realize how detrimental it was. And what did that look like? So I'm living in Manhattan. I'm stressed to the max. I am working really as much as I can possibly fit in. And everything is upside down as far as what we now understand from chronobiology, which is this look at how as diurnal creatures, which is what humans are, we're meant to be active by day and at rest at night and really tethered to those rhythms. So much so that we know that the World Health Organization has listed it as this possible cancer-causing agent when we are shift workers and working off kilter with those things, basically working how I was pretty much working, which is taking on and being so active by night and sleeping by day. So for me, what that looked like was that some of my worst, I would be going to bed close to, there'd be certainly times when I'd be going to bed and the sun is like nearly rising. So that would be more more extreme. But my average would be like maybe 3 a.m. type of bedtime, something along those lines. And now I'm not waking up until much later. We've got whatever, 10, 11, depending on the habits are, which is another problem because- we see that when we have a lot of variability in our bedtime and awake time, that can be part of the source point for people that might be listening that have one of the most common complaints I hear all the time, which is wake-ups throughout the course of the night. And having that irregularity can really be a source of some of those wake-ups or early arising habits that can be really, really frustrating. So, so I'm waking up at different times, but definitely far past when sun has risen. And what I'm doing is I've gotten poor sleep that night before. So I am actually very zombie-like. I don't want a lot of sunlight. I want to actually just like slowly acclimate in this state. I might have a leftover headache or something of that nature just because of that lack of restoration. So I'm avoiding bright light. I'm not even getting myself outside and moving until much later into the day, getting that bright light exposure far out. And then the opposite is happening. So now it's, you know, getting close to sunset. Now I'm doing all these excitatory things at the exact wrong time. So now I'm turning on all the lights in the space when it's, now dark outside. And now this is time, oh, go to work, get some coffee, starting to then shift over into work mode in the evening hours, which we also know is counterproductive to the brain state and the physiological state that we're looking to produce. Because you really want to be able to set up your days that Sleep is a Skill, we call it circadian crafted day. So we have people really sit with their calendars and design a day that's aligned with our circadian rhythms. So what I'm telling you about how I was running things is like the opposite of what you want to do. And the other piece of this, and we can get into some of these other keys, that key behavioral Actions that can tell the body what time it is and what to be doing when. One of those is meal timing. And one of the things that I would be doing would be eating, not eating breakfast until way late, and then backloading. My caloric load would be happening much, much later into the evening and often like you know, within a couple hours before bed, which we know is very detrimental to the quality of the sleep that we're going to get for a number of reasons that we can get into. But certainly it confuses the body because the thinking is that when we are giving our body food for energy, then presumably we're going to need that energy for something. And then we need to stay awake. Our body temperature goes up. And that's all counter to what we're trying to create in order to fall asleep with ease, stay asleep, get to richer sleep staging. And so all of those things put me at this disadvantage for getting valuable and quality sleep. Anxiety levels can go up, stress load, emotional regulation, many, many things start to go if you're compounding this practice and doing this night after night, which is what I was doing.
1: Yeah. So common. <laughs> like like unless you're paying attention to these things and unless you're highly intentional with your sleep, the reality is that your sleep is wildly inconsistent. And the awareness around the things that are impacting the quality of your sleep is also lackluster, which like, hello, you got to this awareness because you had didn't have it and you had a poor experience. I only now pay close attention to all sorts of details, which I could still improve, but it's far improved from where it was a handful of years ago because of some details of my own life where I was just getting really poor sleep and I was not improving in the gym and that was important to me and then being like well wait a second you never allow yourself to recover what do you think is going to happen so getting a wearable was kind of a huge game changer for me which I'm sure we'll probably talk about a little bit more here in a little bit but I do just want to kind of one before I start to unfold the solutions is just like to take just another second in that I'm grateful that your mother is allowing you to disclose that because I think that that is also a really relatable piece of this is the pharmaceutical route That so many people know all too well of I'm experiencing these symptoms. I am stressed out all of the time. I am overwhelmed all of the time. I have all of these things. And so I go to my doctor and I say, Help me. And what they do, not everyone all the time, but so frequently what occurs is we get these prescriptions for these medications. And I remember the first time I had a friend of mine that I got to get a whoop is the wearable that I, I use. And I think you use a aura ring.
0: Yep, yeah, aura comes? ring. And yeah, totally have the whoop too and Biostrap. Yeah. So we haven't about any of those.
1: Yeah. And so I had been wearing my whoop for years and I was like, man, this thing has really given me so much information and I've changed so many behaviors as a result. But a friend of mine who was on a pharmaceutical for their sleep and it was to like get them to sleep more. And it's a very common one. Anyway, it was Ambien. And anyway, so dude's on Ambien. And so I get him to get his whoop. And then I have him start trying some different things. And it was fascinating to watch through the data that he was getting through this device, how he was getting these hours of sleep potentially, or was in bed for longer, et cetera, while on pharmaceuticals that had been prescribed to him to deal with this lack of sleep. And yet the quality of his sleep was awful. And he felt awful. And then we started to experiment with some other solutions. And the data, not only did he just say, bro, I feel a lot better, but like the data was so clear of like, oh my goodness. So maybe you are quote unquote, sleeping longer. But the quality of the sleep that he was getting through that experience was really poor. So this is just an example of someone else's experience. I'm not going to pretend to be a medical expert by any means, but it's a great example because that's a real life thing that I've experienced through my wearable and that I've had other people. And then the Xanax piece of it is something that's also just so relatable. And so knowing that a lot of people are going to be able to relate to that, like knowing that there are going to be a lot of people out there are going to be like, man, that's my journey. That's my potential journey. Maybe I'm not there yet, or maybe I'm fully there and like not thriving. And so I want to kind of start with the basics. And so the basics would be like as simple as what, since you are someone who really has specialized in sleep, what is a recommended dose of sleep for a an adult?
0: <laughs> yes. Oh, well, you said so much gold there. Uh, just there was so much there. So one, I so appreciate you pointing to the pharmaceutical piece because I I can almost guarantee that someone listening is on some type of pharmaceutical that might be altering their sleep architecture and they might not be aware of it. Now, of course, we want to be responsible and you know, we're not saying for anyone to stop taking prescriptions or what have you if they are on those. However, it is important for all of us to be informed consumers of the types of things that we are having. And I think there's a lack of awareness, even unfortunately in the medical community, because we do have to know that- So our primary care doctor, if we are going to our primary care doctor, unfortunately, because of the system, not necessarily their fault, but because of the system kind of structure, the average primary care doctor has had two hours of training on sleep. This thing that we do, oh, I don't know, a third of our lives for on average, 26 years of our lives are spent asleep. And yet we're spending around two hours with our primary care doctors or any doctor outside a sleep specialist and that's out of Harvard Medical too. That's not just like any old institutions. And this is really problematic because these are meant to be the gatekeepers and from a medical standpoint to help in usher us to the right care providers. And unfortunately, many things can get missed and to help support thinking, okay, well, we've got these sleeping aids. So let's prescribe you if you're, you're suffering, you're in my, you know, you're in my room, I want to help you. And so I'm going to give you this prescription. And yet what we're not quite getting is that for the sleep aids in particular, we have a lot of concerns about long-term use and they are not approved for long-term use They are actually meant for short-term use, and that's really what is supposed to be mandated, but unfortunately that many, many people are running around to using these for decades and decades. And so they alter our sleep architecture and quite profoundly. And so the sleep that you are getting is more sedating of a sedated quality than it is of a true level of sleep. And you experience that with your friend and being able to see some of those impacts with these wearables. That's why I think wearables are so important in this Modern society that we're in that is so counter to how we would have lived, you know, as hunter-gatherer, you know, days for thousands of years, where we're just kind of aligned with these rhythms of nature, so much of a blueprint that we can look to of how to inform ourselves of how to behave now, and yet it takes something. So we might want to have that pill support. Now the other pills that um, and sub or uh, prescriptions that people might be using that could be disrupting their sleep, uh, things like SSRIs uh, are known to suppress some of your REM. And so and REM we can think of like as our inner therapist in a lot of ways, and so crucial for emotional regulation, uh, you know, kind of mood regulation, uh, mood management, a number of things. uh, That's just hitting on some top line elements that REM is responsible for. And so to suppress that routinely year after year, decade after decade, it's something to consider. And a lot of sleep specialists are starting to ring, you know, kind of sound the alarms that uh, is this actually helpful for an antidepressant effect. We want to kind of look at that. Um, But so that's the piece on prescriptions. And the important call out is that now the first line recommendation is meant to be, uh, that in America, if you're going to your doctor complaining of sleep, the first line recommendation is actually supposed to be CBTI, cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia. And unfortunately, that sometimes gets missed and prescriptions are handed out. Um, but so I can say to now your question around like, what do we do? How can we, you know, actually transform this? And how much sleep do we need? Which is the other piece. Um, so, so one, if we are taking a look at that CBTI, Cognitive Behavioral Therapy for Insomnia, that is, uh, kind of addressing the thought patterns and some of the structures of our sleep. Um, so that's its own world and there's plenty of books and things that people can, you know, learn more about this because lots of tools and techniques. Um, but with the amount of sleep, the duration, so that the suggestion for a healthy adult is between seven to nine hours as of right now. Now, it is a U-shaped curve. And so the U-shaped curve is that sometimes there can be still healthy people that might be getting a little less than seven and a little more than nine and still have some kind of healthy components, and that's that U-shaped piece. Um, but we do find that when you start going lower than say around six hours. Like Harvard Medical did a whole report where they found that people that got routinely less than six hours of sleep each night are putting themselves at risk for things like diabetes, uh, heart disease, stroke, cognitive decline, and all-cause mortality, aka death from any cause. Um, And so that was looking at having routinely lower than around six hours of sleep uh, each night. And of course, I think a lot of people will think about that sleep duration um, and then getting that at at any means. Like, so that was one of the things that, um, so my husband, we've been together for 12 years and throughout all of this. So he saw, you know, my ups and downs of sleep and he's been along for
1: the ride. He's been (laughs) along for
0: the ride. I don't want to do is, and we later discovered that he also had sleep apnea, which is REM dependent sleep apnea. So when he'd go into REM and it wouldn't be the, you know, it wasn't overweight, wasn't a huge snorer. It was one of those kind of covert types of apnea, um, which everyone should really be on the lookout for. If there's any sort of respiratory issues, you wake up really tired, you have dry mouth, you have headaches in the morning, you teeth grind, all any possible things of that nature, um, can be red flags for just some sort of respiratory issues. But I mentioned him because, he was someone that would be obsessed with, oh, I always get eight hours, and but it would be some days go to bed at one a.m., some days two a.m., some days ten p.m., didn't matter. so all over the place. So that's the same eight hours would be very different quality of eight hours depending on when it was achieved. Also, it might be more fragmented. Uh, so, you know, the actual duration, con- regularity, the quality, all of those aspects come into play and are super important for this topic of how much sleep do you need?
1: Mm-hmm. Oof. Okay. So do you by chance know the, and if you don't, that's okay, but the number, the like the percentage of the population worldwide or maybe US specific, anything like that that's getting this less than six?
0: Oh, yes. If you don't, that's um, so, okay. Yeah. So as far as, and here's here's our call outs here. Um, we have estimations that one and three people are getting below the recommended amount of sleep. And there's even speculations that it is probably more uh, given a number of call-outs that we're having in recent years. So one interesting piece to this, um, so it, even looking at undiagnosed sleep apnea, so I mentioned the sleep apnea piece, which is a huge, huge component. We're actually seeing just as a matter of our environments, our behaviors, our metabolic um, you know, dysfunction and our health, and a number of other things that there's way more instances, even for kids, of having sleep apnea or respiratory disturbances, mouth breathing, all of these things that are disrupting our sleep. We're seeing way more signs of this, and so the thinking is that even for the people that say, Oh, I'm a great sleeper. This is what a lot of people um, will say that don't realize that they actually have a sleeping problem because they're the ones that, and this is always a red flag for me when people say, Oh, that's not for me. You know, talk to my cousin, aunt, sister, whatever, because I'm a great sleeper because I fall asleep the minute my head hits the pillow, which is always a red flag for me that actually there's likely something wrong with that person's sleep because that is a sign that there's some sleep deprivation at play because it actually should take us a little bit of time to fall asleep, not egregious, but more in the realm of, say, like 15 minutes, 20 minutes. It depends on the person. Uh, but just some time to transition from a wake state to a sleep state. If you are immediately falling asleep um, while watching movies or you know the minute your head does hit the pillow, that often can be a sign for us that something's at play with the quality of the sleep that you're getting. So the reason I'm saying all this is that um there's a theory or a a belief that a lot of people are likely one running around with undiagnosed sleep difficulties so there's over 80 sleep disorders uh that we know of on the dsm uh, that could be diagnosed that many people might be missing uh and then just even beyond that so then the people that are concerned about their sleep and actually would qualify and say i'm not getting enough sufficient sleep Um, there is that group, but then there's this group that like for you, when you call that with the wearables that you, you got your wearable and you start to notice, oh my gosh, I thought it was whatever. I thought I was getting more sleep or I thought the sleep was better. I didn't realize it was such a problem. So many of us are starting to be in on that conversation. I think that's what's starting to emerge because I really believe that even these numbers are skewed and that there's likely more um, kind of undiagnosed problems or things that we could do to
1: up-level. Yeah. Yeah. So I I also want to touch on that as you're talking through that, what comes to my mind as well is another person in my life who has a young child at home. The young child has some mouth problems and breathing, you know, and so I'm thinking about the fact that, okay, also I know that their child is also struggling in school. And is also struggling in other areas of life, socially, and all sorts of things. And so, mind you, yet again, I am not a medical expert, but this is just triggering a thought in my mind of they're they're aware of the fact that this child is having some struggles with their their breathing and and they're masticating and all sorts of different things. And so, the likelihood that this child is having impacted sleep, if it's already impacting the kid's behavior during the daytime, is just an interesting thing to perhaps take a look at because you know, if he's having a hard time socially, if he's having a hard time in in his learning environments and things like that, like I wonder if any of that is impacted by his sleep. I certainly don't know that, but this is a wonderful topic to bring up and just say that like, yes, you're adults, we're adults that are consuming this information, but like who have children who could be impacted by these things. So I do want to kind of keep going from there. I just want to touch on that. And I want to ask next is just, so if if a seven to nine roundabout recommendation across the board. For someone who is not seeing that or anything like it, what is just a simple, like a one tip? Because we're going to get into a lot of nitty gritties and anything that stands out to anyone listening, like go there, do that. But also I know that the reality of habit change is if we make where we are today and where we would like to go so far away from one another, the likelihood of adherence is just like gone. So a simple implementation, like the one thing that you would encourage a person to do first to improve their quality duration of sleep. Just the the key one. Let's go there and then let's get further in.
0: Mm, beautiful. Yes. And uh, just underscoring of what you said about the kids, just so people do know, um, ADHD and poor sleep are highly, highly uh, correlated. And so if there are symptoms or difficulties at school, um, that is absolutely something that is often missed is that sleep disturbance. So great, great point. Um, okay, so on the topic of um, most important things, one of the things I would say that people are going to hear this and they'll say, oh, that's not me, but I almost can guarantee that it's so many of us. Um, so I'm just going to say what this one is. It is wake time so that you are really sitting and determining for yourself, what is your consistent wake time that you can maintain not four days a week, not five days a week, but seven days a week, uh, including you know Saturday and Sunday or whatever your schedule looks like. Um, and having that consistent wake-up time become your new anchor that helps ensure that we're in training our cortisol pulse that happens each morning, um, our melatonin at night, and brings things all into alignment. Uh, we want to begin there because sleep loves consistency. And when we have what I'll see, because you know, now we have amassed one of the largest databases of Aura Ring data specifically for sleep optimization outside of a research purpose. Uh, So we've got hundreds of Aura Ring users on our dashboard that we get to look at so many people's data. The amount of times that I will talk to someone and they will say, oh, no, give me the good stuff. I want the supplements. I want the gadgets. I want the thing. It's not wake up time. Then I look at their wake-up time and they almost always have some sort, maybe they're a little consistent during the week or whatever, but then there's these big spikes where they sleep in or they take these really long naps that kind of merge into their sleep. There's all kinds of bizarreness. So what we want to do is understand that whenever we do that, it's akin to being someone that travels from New York to LA every single week, or something in that nature, because now you're we're being left with what's known as what's known as social jet lag, and you didn't get on a plane, but now you're experiencing the impacts of jet lag in that very same way. So now it's throwing you off um, for subsequent nights, and that Sunday scaries kind of uh, you know call out uh, really dates and relates directly to all of that abnormality that we've, uh, kind of manage ourselves with over the week. So you want to begin there and then build on that consistent wake up time. Now you can swing it plus or minus 30 minutes or so. Um, but ideally that's where you're largely managing that, you know, say 7am for example, 7am across the board. And then maybe if you have a crazy night, maybe you didn't sleep particularly well, something happened, you're swinging it out a little bit, say like 7.30 or so, but that's really still maintaining that consistent wake up time. Then we can start layering in all those other habits. Um, you know, And you pointed so beautifully that we don't want to overwhelm, but there's other things. Once you start to have that in place, then we can make sure we're pairing bright light exposure on that first side of things with that wake up and Uh, you know, we can get into other possibilities as well, but that's the place we must begin.
1: Okay. I love that. And I love that that segues into one of the questions that I'm going to ask just entirely selfishly. Um, that is, I am an alcoholic in recovery. And so I know that I got my whoop, my wearable in 2019 while I was still, um, my behaviors were cuckoo. And so, uh, one of the, yeah. And so of course, thankfully one of the, one of the journal features is, did you have alcohol? Right. And so you check that yes, no, whatever. And then it starts to give you really detailed information about the impact that that is having on your sleep. So you said, okay, throughout the week, you have these average wake times and all the weekends, there's these crazy swings and whatever. And like what I go to for myself is like, oh, well, I know how it was for me for years was, oh, I would be okay a handful of nights. And then there would be a night where I'm going crazy and I'm drinking a lot of alcohol and I'm doing other things and whatever. And so all of that alone is going to impact my sleep. But then certainly when I go to bed, when I wake up is, I mean, everything about it just gets totally screwed. So I do want to address just the impact that alcohol consumption has on sleep. And I don't mean to demonize it because I'm someone who does not interact with that substance normally. When I take it in, I then need more. So I'm a bit different. And some people really can enjoy a glass of wine and move along with their lives. Congratulations. I can't relate. Um But so what is the impact that alcohol has on sleep?
0: Oof, such a good question. And thanks for sharing vulnerably, what that looked like for you, because it's so relatable. And so many of us, um, you know, that's one of the benefits. Another benefit of wearables is just how clearly uh, alcohol can really obliterate normal looking sleep. So alcohol and sleep, this goes under the category of chronopharmacology. So the timing of our drugs and drugs could be caffeine, alcohol, THC, supplements, prescriptions, all those things. Um, And so for alcohol, it is true that we do find in studies that sleep onset seems to be improved with alcohol so you can fall asleep with a bit more ease. That's about where it ends um, as far as any sort of possible benefits with, um, with alcohol. And that part is not always even guaranteed for people sometimes, you know, depending on the timing and other variables that might not even happen. Uh, But what ends up happening for most people in studies is that we see sleep fragmentation go way up. So now you can almost and this is I see this for myself and so many clients um, is then you start to have this thermoregulation difficulties. So you might be getting hot into the middle of the night. Now you might have wake ups. Um, and a higher heart rate throughout the course of the night, which many people will see in their wearables, and certainly HRV. So heart rate variability, and if people aren't familiar with this, this is a really great metric of um, – a metric of recovery is really what HRV stands for um, in, in a particular way. But also it's a nice readout of our nervous system um, and how we're kind of being able to respond to the stressors given to our body both physiologically – um, physiologically, psychologically, environmentally, and other things. So with that, one of the things that we can see is that HRV really getting impacted, um, that sleep fragmentation impacts of REM sleep and other you know difficulties of our sleep staging. So when you're waking up that subsequent day, um, you look at your stats, if you are tracking, and you're likely to see all kinds of frightening things come back with alcohol and that's probably one of the more beneficial things that I see for people um, with wearables is just how clearly alcohol can really, really markedly impact sleep and recovery. Uh, And then also you mentioned Whoop too, they do a great job with their podcasts and their blogs um, and they've done a really nice job of helping to share some of their findings from all their users and those journal um, kind of data. And one thing that they've spoken to is with different people finding kind of uh, subsequent spillover of impact from alcohol uh, use. And so some of their callouts were even up to around four days for some people of still seeing remnants of that impact on people's nervous system and kind of um, uh, just overall health and well-being impacts that still show up days and days and days. So depending on the person, um, you might be looking at subsequent days of then maybe it might be dysregulated nervous system or glucose regulation or other things that are at play as a result of that alcohol. And then also just because purely we know that on the short term just getting uh, you know one or two nights of poor sleep in a row, we know that that can disrupt glucose stability, anxiety levels, nervous system, mood regulation, other things. So if you put that all into, you know, this melting pot with alcohol being that original key disturber, uh, it makes sense that we would have all of that disruption for multiple, potentially multiple days for some people.
1: Oh, it's so relatable. I just, I, I like, I look at my nervous system in my twenties and I'm like, sweetie. Thank you for making it through. I don't know how you did it. I will not do that to you again. Not saying I won't find other ways to screw up. I'm sure I will. But like, we're not going back because it was really hard. Like it was hard. It was physically, mentally, spiritually, like it was hard. Oh my gosh. Okay. So then I do want to head over to sugar in particular. So we can definitely talk about like diet and exercise and their impact on sleep. And but we we have a time window that we have to fit all of this into unfortunately thanks podcast domain and life. Um but I do want like so I want to I want to pull at the key points that are really going to speak to most and I feel like sugar consumption close to bedtime is one that's going to come up for a lot of people. And so can you speak to that detail and like the kind of impact that intaking a good amount of sugar before bed, which is like, if you're anything like me, what you grew up doing your entire life and still want to do now, you know, what is that going to do to your sleep?
0: Yeah. Great question. Um, so for people that want to go in deeper on this topic, I always recommend on just the topic in general of eating times, uh, and our sleep is huge and has a lot of research behind it. So I do always suggest that people get the book, um, circadian code to read and learn more about this. Um, uh, because it's one of the behavioral change, um, pieces of the puzzle that I see for so many people really help move the needle on improving the quality of their sleep. And it's often underestimated, um, uh, both just even the pure timing of when you're eating period, no matter what the food is. Uh, but then also of course the type of food. So it's kind of, uh, those two, twofold. So, uh, circadian code is actually the, um, researcher behind that Dr. Sachin Panda is even being. Uh, rumbles of possible Nobel Prize winning work because of its huge importance on our health and well-being. So it's a big, big deal. And uh, what we do from Sleep is a Skill, our main intention is so we'll often have people wearing continuous glucose monitors with their aura rings. So we, everyone has to wear an aura ring to participate in all of our programs. Often we make a very strong recommendation to get um, continuous glucose monitors. So with that, we can often see This very common pattern where people will have dips throughout the course of their night. Um, and so they're really getting into the red, you know, on their, on their glucose levels. And when that happens, we can overlay the Oura Ring data and often see subsequent wake-ups that are occurring as a result of those dips. Uh, really important because so many people are struggling with these wake-ups and they're mystified by them. They're like, what, is there something wrong with me? Why do I just have to go to the bathroom all the time? And we misattribute. um, That, you know, kind of waking up to maybe I got to stop drinking water, maybe I got to whatever. And it's not necessarily that per se. I mean, liquid intake could play a role, but um, often it's a misattribution and it more can be glucose dysregulation uh, and a stress response that comes about from that as well as some other things we can get. And certainly alcohol can be one of those, but sugar um, is one of those things that then we can expect will likely have one of those subsequent glucose spikes and then crashes. And that can cause both difficulty in falling asleep because if we're doing this at the wrong time, too close to bed, right, that can like really warm up the body. So thermoregulation is a big uh, deal for getting great sleep. And so it's warming up when we want to be cooling down, so making it difficult to fall asleep, then it can also uh, upswing the number of wake-ups or early arising. Those like that times when you wake up too early and now you're just up. Uh, all of those things can come as a uh, result of having that type of food and at that those times.
1: Mm. So you're just building awareness is so much of the key with all of this, you know? And so for aware then, and and the couple of things I want to add in there is just that carbs our sugar, sugar is carbs. I'm sorry. So in the macronutrient world, right. For those who don't know, and that's okay. If you don't study this, why would you know? That's okay. Um, a sugar is actually falls under the carb category. So like a bread is a sugar, right? And so, um, just thinking about those things, I hope that made sense or was clearly stated enough, but anyway, so carbs before bed. And I love that. And, and, and because I focus so heavily on nutrition, then it's like, you know, food is fuel. And that's something I talk about all the time. And, and also it's meant to be enjoyed and all of that. But so if I'm intaking these things, these carbs, these sugars directly before bed that are literally designed to give me energy, I love that you're coming at it from this perspective of thermoregulation and you're, and just meaning that you're getting warm. And so what's happening, you're digesting that food. It's giving you energy, but you're going to bed you know, and it's at a time where you don't need that. And then I love, I almost don't even want to admit it because I feel like such a spoiled little shit right now that I get to sleep in an eight bed in an eight sleep bed. Right. So like it literally, the bed cools. And so it cools me down. So there are so many different (laughs) resources available to improve your sleep when you get real in here. But so I want to ask a couple of other questions as we do get closer to time where we have to round out of um, what are some effective relaxation techniques that can help promote better sleep?
0: Yeah, great question. Uh, so we uh, at Sleep is a Skill, we do a lot with kind of technology and ways that we can see objective data to understand what's going on with our nervous system. So we actually do have a lot of people using daytime HRV trainers. So one example of that is Hanu Health, which is um, Hawaiian for breath. Uh, And so Hanu Health is a basically Polar H10 that hooks up to an app and it helps you train with different breath work um, and other relaxation techniques so that you can start to see, oh my gosh, I can lower my heart rate on command basically. And learn to train, to train my nervous system, lung capacity, all of this to um, actually be able to uh, improve HRV, which is kind of that reflection of our nervous system, how at ease, rest and digest, parasympathetic response. So we can train to do that at will is really the goal there. Um, so that's one way of getting data behind it. But if you're looking, uh, for a more low tech option, then one of the things that we like to really train for is creating your days such that you have day mode and night mode. So, um, you know, it's probably, we need like a part two to this podcast to get into all the details of what that would look like, but at the bare minimum, um, and Believe it or not, there are entire conferences on sleep and uh, the latest research on sleep and the greatest thinkers in this area. The big takeaways with this are bright days, dim nights is like the whole mantra in this in the sleep world. Um, not that I shouldn't, you know, <laughs> limit it to that, but it's a big one, right? And the reason I say all this is that you can use light timing and um, sunrise and sunset to help guide you on what type of behaviors to really be engaging in, including your thought timing um, and the types of content that you're bringing in and the types of behaviors you're engaging in. So our goal is to get you as much bright light exposure, high amplitude bright light exposure throughout the whole day, whatever you know, that takes of physically getting outside, getting bright lights in your environment from a light perspective. So there's like dawn simulators and uh, light boxes and all kinds of things, but ideally sun uh, derived. And so you're doing that all throughout the course of the day. So such that when you're suddenly moving into a very dim environment post sunset that your body says, Oh, wow. Okay. So this is unequivocally nighttime. So what ends up happening, and this is pretty cool is that In the presence of darkness, where many of us don't have true darkness, um, you actually are creating melatonin because melatonin is known as the vampire hormone or the hormone of darkness. And because many of us don't have this, and you might say, oh, no, I've got my evening lights or whatever. Um, But no, actually, we want to go through your whole environment and eliminate just about every faux type of light, ideally, and shift it over to... Candlelight, um, Himalayan salt lamps, red lights. Uh, You know, if you must, then you could do, say, like a Phillips hue where it changes over to like an amber or or red tones or what have you. Um, But all of this so that you're coming no uh, blue, ideally, certainly no blue light, but no green or violet as well uh, in your space. So with that, the reason I'm saying all this is because that alone, when you're starting to raise melatonin melatonin is not like an ambient melatonin is a um, it prepares the body for sleep and how do you prepare for sleep you lower your body temperature you lower your heart rate uh improve an uptick uh, HRV and so all of those things are like your body is actually calming down so you want to have your environment help escort you into that state by bathing in that darkness and cooling your environment. So you can lower the temperature in your space as well. and all of those things can help down-regulate. So then, of course, you want to be checking and making sure that all of your behaviors are aligning with that down-regulation. Are you watching scary shows? Are you going and looking in your email? Are you you know, texting with that person that might be a little angsty or talking to your you know, partner or kids or whatever? Um, all those things that might kind of rev you up. We want to be in doing consistent audits of the behaviors that we're engaging in, the types of content that we're engaging engaging in so that it's not giving us that um, counterproductive response.
1: Yeah. Oh, I love it. There's just, and I feel like, you know, I just have to loop back to the fact that there's a lot of information here, you know, and gradual steps in a direction and understanding that imperfection is a part of your reality as it is mine and everyone else's ever like, so it doesn't have to be perfect, but continuing to build out awareness and just try to do better things is pretty cool. So are there any natural sleep aids that help promote better sleep, um, other than medication that you would recommend?
0: Yeah, great question. Um, so I would uh, so for instance in our cohort programs we leave chronopharmacology so all you know drug timing supplements all that intentionally to the very last module which people don't actually love uh, but we do that on purpose because people always want that first. Um, they want the fix. So- They want FX. And and I get it. I mean, when I was struggling with my sleep, I was like, skip all this stuff. Give me the pill. Give me the pill. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But um, we do that on purpose because we also don't want people to be, you know, spending all this money and, you know, hinging their hopes on this supplement or this thing or this gadget um, Unless they're doing the foundations, because we find that unless you are, it's just kind of like expensive urine a lot of times, if you aren't doing those other foundational things, I've yet to see people invest in like one magic pill often um, that will make this huge difference if you're not handling these other things as well. Now, there are those times where that's why we always suggest test, not guess. If you are egregiously low and say vitamin D or B vitamins or iron levels or certain thing obviously that are going to impact sleep results that's a big deal and so we do I'm not trying to discount those things but I just also want people to get that without addressing some of these other things or ideally testing so we know what we are supplementing for it just might be you might not get the results you're looking for
1: I appreciate that so much that, I mean, it's literally, Hey, let's look at all these lifestyle things that are within our control that potentially don't even cost us money. They just cost us awareness and learning. And then let's take a, and thank you so much for that. That's empowering. Honestly. I mean, it might feel frustrating initially of, Oh, you mean I have to figure this out, but actually it's so empowering that there's so much within our control that's not costing money.
0: (laughs) Yes, 100%. I hope that it actually, on the short term, it's like, ugh, bummer. But on the long term, ooh, this is all within me, this possibility and really profound, different, like measurable, objective data change. So Really important. So standing in that, say now you're clear on all those things, you're starting to implement those in your life. Now I want to add in some of these other elements, aside from getting your own kind of blood panels and ideally working with your doctor and ideally functional medicine doctors. But aside from that, some common things that often are pretty high safety profile or a high likelihood that might be important for a lot of people include things that you probably heard of, but I just want to echo these things like magnesium, since so many people are deficient in that. So particularly magnesium, glycinate can be really helpful for sleep in particular, but also just often a high safety profile for many so that you could take it routinely on a regular basis. So that magnesium, glycine in alignment with that glycinate is also one that tends to be pretty safe also have thermal regulation properties. So kind of helpful in that dropping of body temperature. So that's another one. L-theanine is another one with a pretty high safety profile. It can be helpful for that nervous system management, which often when people are having sleep difficulties, there's often some level of nervous system dysregulation at play. And we're just trying to figure out like to what point, where's the root cause here? But usually there's some element. So L-theanine can be helpful with that. Also, what I would say too is histamine be- has become um, even more of a topic because when you think of a lot of the over the counter, Sleep aids, many of them are rooted in antihistamine. So in the lowering of histamine level, then you have more of a sleepiness response. But on the flip side, if you are, say, eating foods or have a particular stress load or environmental issues, that could be raising your histamine load. And if you are sensitive, and the other reason why it's come into conversation more recently is with COVID, some people are experiencing more of a histamine-like response, with the vir- with these kind of viral loads and having a higher level of histamine and then they're having more difficulty sleeping. So antihistamine or natural antihistamines can be helpful too in those cases, things like quercetin, vitamin C, zinc, other things that can help LT and also is another histamine lower, lowering agent. So there's different things that you can do from that perspective and also from a dietary change perspective. And we're also trying to lower those because you think of the histamine piece, other symptoms for that are people have consistent allergy issues, difficulty breathing, uh, runny nose, watery eyes, all of those things can be signs of histamine dysregulation and sleep goes hand in hand with disturbances with that. So it's another piece that you could look into as well.
1: Oh my gosh. All I can think of is just like you are a wealth of knowledge and I would love to dive deeper. This is going to feel like an abrupt closing in my opinion, which this is not how you want to go to bed. You want to ease yourself in there. So guys, what we're yes. about to do is the opposite of how we want you to go yes. to sleep. Love <laughs> well, it. Well said. Exactly. Okay. So, okay. Real quick. I always like to round out with three things that you are grateful for today.
0: Oh, Love it. Oh my gosh. Well, one, this conversation, your amazing energy, the form and platform that you're creating, so important, clearly making such a difference in the world. So really grateful for that. Grateful for our conversation right beforehand where you're inspiring me with a couple of accountability possibilities and I'm an accountability nut. That's one of the crux of our company is really on technology, accountability, and behavioral change. So I really am a huge believer in as much accountability as I can have in my life in various areas. I want to do it. So that piece really inspired me. And then I'm also grateful for a more freed up calendar because I just made some shifts and some new things are happening business wise, but it's also freeing me up for some space to kind of create and build. And that's exciting as well.
1: Yeah, I love it. Okay. I also say my three gratitudes for the day. So I'm going to go so like hacky because of the conversation, which is that First thing this morning, I started with contrast therapy. I am grateful for contrast therapy. Cold and hot exposure back and forth have so many benefits, and I'm grateful to know about them and to utilize that resource today. I am also grateful for awareness of sleep. I am grateful for the work that you do. I am grateful for you. Thank you for taking the time, not only in this one little hour of your day, to like talk to my people about this thing that's so important, but just like, I mean, you have spent So I I cannot even fathom how much time and energy you've spent in getting this education so that you can share this information. So thank you. And then my third gratitude is going to be that my boyfriend turned thirty today, and I'm so grateful for him and grateful for the fact that I got to go up to the gym and like have his class celebrate him. They all like showed up ready to help, and they're just awesome. And so. I'm just grateful to be in a like in this life and get to celebrate him because he's just been the biggest value add to my life that I never saw coming. So it's just so pretty
0: oh, cool. I love that. Oh my god! Happy birthday to him! And then I <laughs> love Thanks. the excitement that you guys have. What an amazing couple from that. That's incredible.
1: So yeah. cool.
0: Aww. He's cool.
1: I'm older than him, so <laughs> <laughs> I'm it? already there. But anyway, okay. So I do want to know where can the listener find you, support you, join in, get accountable with you? Where can they get more of you?
0: Yes, absolutely. So if you go to sleepisaskill.com, it can act as a bucket for all kinds of things. So there you can take a sleep assessment and get tailored information back based around what's going on with your specific sleep. That can also sign you up for our weekly newsletter. We're really obsessed with our newsletter. We've been doing it every Monday, Haven't missed a Monday, big streak effect for over four years love this thing. And our aim is to provide as many sleep takeaways and practical tips and tricks that you can really practice tonight. So signing up for that. We also release a weekly podcast with top sleep experts, lots of different, really important things that you can bring in and also out of the box or late breaking information in the world of sleep that you can really start to enact. And then if you're really struggling, we also have cohort programs that you can go through so that you can have like kind of a group dynamic and really transform your sleep, but measurably. So again, you do wear at least the Oura Ring and often other pieces of tech to transform your sleep measurably. And then we also have one-on-one programs as well if you want more support, more hands-on insight into your sleep. And beyond that, our real stance is that we really believe that sleep is a skill in our modern society. So no matter where you're at, just This opportunity to continue to learn, develop this area of your life, and get all these amazing dividends by putting sleep on kind of the foundation of the pyramid of wellness for you. And just the bi directional relationship that you'll get all kinds of other gains from your nutritional health, from your physical endeavors, and the work that you're putting in, get the max results by having that foundation of sleep health.
1: I love it. Okay. All of that is going to be in the show notes, guys. And so if you want to go check out Molly, you should definitely follow her on Instagram and start consuming her content. So that will all be there as well. And other than that, we just want to say thank you for spending your time with us. We appreciate you. If you would not mind giving the show, wherever you're consuming it, a follow, rate, review, share it with someone that you think that it will positively impact. And last but not least, we just hope that you guys have a beautiful day.